Calling all conscious achievers who are seeking more community and connection, I've got an invitation for you. Join me at this year's Summit of Greatness this September 7th through 9th in my hometown of Columbus, Ohio to unleash your true greatness. This is the one time a year that I gather the greatness community together in person for a powerful transformative weekend. People come from all over the world and you can expect to hear from inspiring speakers like Inky Johnson, Jaspreet Singh, Vanessa Van Edwards, Jen Sincero, and many more. You'll also be able to dance your heart out to live music, get your body moving with group workouts, and connect with others at our evening socials. So if you're ready to learn, heal, and grow alongside other incredible individuals in the greatness community, then you can learn more at lewishouse.com slash summit 2023. Make sure to grab your ticket, invite your friends, and I'll see you there. Understand that arguments aren't always meant to be won. So there's a, a trap of thinking that it, there can only be one on top of the mountain. And if that is true, then that's a very lonely place to be. And arguments, in my view, are an opportunity to create understanding. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone if you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. You are a, a board certified Texas trial lawyer that has gone viral on social <laughs> media with your daily messages of inspiration, building confidence, how to deal with touchy situations and conversations, arguments, how to deal with unpleasant human beings yeah. and how to stay calm and peaceful and create amazing outcomes in conversations. That's right. And I'm curious, with all of your experience as a trial lawyer, where was the time that you were the most in the stickiest situation in a trial where you thought there's no way I'm going to get out of this or we're not going to win this case because I'm just, I don't have the skill set or it's not going our way. Right. And what did that teach you about how to be more prepared for yes. future cases? Mm. As, so one of my first trials that I had, it was the first one by, by myself. 
often in the legal world, you have like an associate, you have a partner, you have somebody who's with you. And I was the first one by myself. And this was a larger case. Um, and when you get there, there's this perception, especially when you're young, you know, you, you, you're the, the, the ink on your signature card isn't on your bar card isn't dry yet. Uh -huh. They, they can smell the green on yeah. it. Yeah. You have no clue what you're doing. No. Yeah. And you, you can feel that pressure because most of the time, even when you're, I am 26, 28, I'm younger than my client. And so there's like, it, it, but that just happens. You he doesn't just, have confidence in you. Yeah. Right, right. It's just so there's that, that level of trust. They, it, I mean, I know I'm going to be doing it. And it was a full panel. You have different juries depending on what court it's in. There's like county courts that are six, different constitutional courts, being a, a court of 12. That's a typical panel what you see on TV. And So this was panel of 12? Yeah, panel of 12. And it was a, a larger case. The other side had two attorneys on it from a bigger firm. And they were the ones that were like, suit and tie looked clean and they were you put it was it ended up working out for me that way but i got in the stitchy sticky situation when i was talking with a witness and i was crossing this witness and i started to get like really defensive i started to let what they were saying get after me you have these difficult witnesses who, this wasn't your witness. This was not the my other, witness. Yeah, this yeah. was an expert uh, on the other side. So okay. these are people who are paid obscene amounts of money from the other side to testify on an expert opinion. But this guy was—he's was a veteran. I mean, oh, he, he knew what to say. He knew. Oh, he—he—he he, he just he chewed me up like the finest <laughs> piece of state, man. I mean, he was—he—he—he he, he got me good. But what I took away from that—that that was just day one. Was <laughs> that was just day one? I ended up winning the trial, okay. but it was because I didn't allow myself. So we did a second day. It's a second time for him to go on the stand. Oh, wow. And the next day I did something different. I aligned my thoughts of how I wanted to approach the situation before I even got in it. I didn't Give do that example. the first day. What does that mean? Yeah. So typically at what we do in every day, we're just going by the seat of our pants. Or you, you're just in it. You, it's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to get in that moment. And all of a sudden, you're just kind of surviving in the conversation. So you're looking for different ways to maybe hurt somebody, to have a zinger. To defend to, yourself. You got it. Yeah, 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 very much so. And I remember getting in, in my car going, I can't do that again. I can't do that again. And I started coming up with different phrases that I would tell myself to help align me in the moment. When he does this again, when I get defensive you again, got it. when I get triggered and he says something that I know isn't cool, but yes. he's trying to get under my skin, how am I going to respond? You, you got it. You got it. And so there was this need for me being on my own. There was no, I, I didn't have any other people from the firm with me of trying to prove myself. And sometimes when we had that pressure on, there's that need to overpromise, overdo, and you end up you know, well, you say, you're trying to look cute, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, and yeah. You, you overextend yourself. Yeah. And this time I wasn't going to do that. So I started to write things on the top of my yellow notepad that kind of just like make sure I, I sunk these things into my brain. I'd say uh, one, I was just like, just be Jefferson. Don't worry about trying to be some, you know, macho court attorney on TV that they just, just be you, just be you. And, and who Jefferson is, is a guy that I hear somebody get defensive. I go, okay. You know, just like, <laughs> oh, all right. And I just, 
that just bought off a duck's back. And so it was that first step that now all of a sudden his snarkiness, when I got defensive, justified him getting more snark. Oh, right. Yeah. They just ratchet like, it. Like, I got you. Every time. We dig it any you deeper. Got it. But me just going, well, okay. Like al- allowing him to have his moment, it made him look worse. So right. he, Yeah, because now he looked like the jerk. Now he started to lose credibility. And now the, the scales begin to tip. And when the other side begins to object more, it looks like they're trying to hide something more. And so I took the strategy of, here I am fighting for my client, just me, and here he is. They're the ones in the suits. They're the ones with money. They're the ones that are objecting. What does that say? Wow, that's smart. Yeah, so it, it, and so what they would do is they would have, they bring in their paralegals, like their team, and bring in all these boxes, and they wouldn't do it themselves. Papers and everything else. Yeah, yeah, they had these banker boxes, Redwells, and they wouldn't do it themselves. The attorneys wouldn't. They would have their staff do it. I wasn't going to do that. So I made sure the jury, I would keep my box in the hallway until the jury got there. And so I would have two boxes and let the jury see me carry my two heavy boxes in and put them down myself. Wow. And so I just wanted them to always think that which one looks more credible, which one looks more authentic to, you know, their practice. Who cares about the case? Yeah. Exactly. And all of a sudden, because these jurors are just looking at us. I mean, they don't have anything else better to do in the day. I mean, they're given their civic duty. It's amazing. But when they sit in that chair, it's, it's, you're the show for them. And you've got to present a compelling case and you've got to yeah. persuade, influence, and enroll people in a story of your truth. Right. You, I, it is my job to tell my client's truth, my, tell my client's story. And it's just an odd profession because I, Lewis, I get hired to handle other people's problems right. with people that I don't have a problem with. Okay? <laughs> I, I don't have any problem with them, but I guess I do now. And then to make it worse, the other side hires an attorney whose sole job is to make me look bad, to solely just to uh, make me lose. And you have a judge that just decides the rest. Right. And there's... I mean, every call that you have with opposing counsel, every time you're talking to a judge, you're having to cross-examine a witness, it is, you can see why the profession is very well suited for people that are good at dealing with communication. Yes. Because yeah, if, if you can't, it's, it's not the one for you. What I'm hearing you say is, the, is now when you go into a case, you have an intention. Yes. When the worst case scenario happens, how am I going to respond? I'm going to just be Jefferson or I'm going to have these other right. mantras or whatever you want to call them, intentions to remind myself to lean into that. Is that what I'm hearing you say? You got it. And I translate that with my clients. So I have, just like I do it, I have to train them in going in the hot seat. Not get defensive, not get active. They're right. going to do this. They're going to get under you, your skin. They're yes. going to call you a liar. You got it. And, and because your case might depend solely on how you behave. Isn't that interesting? It, it, it doesn't matter if, if you were actually right or wrong. It's how you behave you and your it. energy being presented to a jury. A- absolutely. And that is happening in real life, in everyday conversations, yes. in your career, you got it. your relationships, other opportunities of life is how you present yourself. And, uh, a thousand percent. It doesn't matter if you actually have the skills. 
the credibility, yes. the credentials right. to get the great opportunities. It's how you present the skills, credentials, and credibilities to the person or people in front of you. Right. And my client could have all the facts in their favor, but if they're a jerk, your case is over. Wow. It's not going to happen. It doesn't matter if you broke the law or you didn't break the law. Yeah. It's how you present your situation. It, well, there's some aspect of it that an appellate court might come back and say, oh, we're okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the law is, but when it comes right, to right, jury right. trials, when it comes to jury trials, especially civil, criminal law is different, but on the civil side of things, they can dump your case if they just don't like They just don't it. like you. We don't want this person to win. Yeah, b because if somebody who, uh, here's here's an example. So I had a, a case I was on the defense of, and a lady had been hurt in an accident, and I knew very much that she was, she acted like she was a-okay. And that's okay, because you you can be hurt in an accident and turn out to be fine later. That's There's nothing wrong with that. But what she had done was overextended herself by saying that the accident kept her from holding her grandkids. Oh, the accident kept her from being able to go hike and, mm -hmm. and enjoy all these things. Yeah, she milked it. She milked it bad. And so when that kind of happens, it's what I do is just lean back like, okay, now now she's saying something. Now she's giving me something aside from her facts uh, that I can I can use. And what she didn't even think about was she had posted all these pictures on Instagram yeah, publicly yeah. of holding grandbabies. They had gone on like three vacations to Hawaii. Like Her on these, top of a mountain. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly what it was. Next to like some like Mount Summit, okay. And that next day I come in and it's my turn to cross examine. And I said, Miss So-and-so, I heard you say something the other day that, well, almost broke my heart. You said that life's just not worth living. That, did I read that right? And she says, yes, that's correct. Waterworks start wow. coming up again. All right. She cried both times. Which There's nothing wrong with crying. That's not what I'm saying. But she, she manufactured those very quickly. And I said, there's some things I want us to look. And take the photos out. Muted out the photos. Case gone. Oh gone my gosh. In, a, in a matter of seconds. And it was my client who caused the accident. But her case was, it oh, should be. Yeah. But it was, it was not a, a major accident. But the issue was, once you lose your credibility, you cannot, in, a, in that sense, you cannot get it back. Wow. And so if she had just stayed true to who she was and been honest of, no, we've been able to go on vacations and do some things, but this accident really caused me some pain back then. And I'm just looking for a way to try and do X, Y, and Z. But she, she got out of that. She got out of that line. Wow. That's funny, man. That's crazy. It's fun. It's fun stuff. <laughs> now, when you're thinking about questioning or examining someone, um, what is the psychology that you think about before you ask the first question to set someone up, whether they're on your team or someone you're going against, I guess, in court? to set them up for the outcome you want to create? What's the psychology you think about in order to get the results in any conversation? So I'm going to answer that in two two spots. Is One, if, if it's somebody I am against, all right, versus somebody who's with me. The one against is more fun. So I know that when I sit down and I'm going to depose a witness, meaning I'm asking them questions prior to trial. Yes. They're not going to like me. They know that. They they think I'm the, the bad guy because they don't know. They just know what they hear on TV. And I know right away that the person that I see is not the person that I'm talking to. 
what we're about to exchange in that moment is they're going to reveal to me conflict that is just going to be a window into the struggle that they're feeling in that moment. That there are things that they carried into that room that they were carrying days, months, hours before they even saw me. And that is probably one of the number one keys of when you deal with these very difficult conversations is the the issue they put up is rarely the real issue. It's, it's, it's not that it's, I mean, you can say something at, even at home, you know, you get an argument with, with a spouse or a girlfriend and you're going, where's this coming from? Well, it turns out, you know, at eight eight o'clock that morning, somebody had cut them off in traffic and they had a bad email and they, and there it goes. They're just frustrated. Their mom said something and you just happen to be the outlet. So that's the ability to recognize that and use that as a place to connect rather than a place to continue to, to, um, you know, flare up. How do you use that? Whether it's someone personal in your life or someone that you're working with in court. Yeah. When you know it's not who they are, it's the baggage they're carrying to that conversation or the portrayal of the baggage or whatever. How do you use it to your advantage as opposed to get defensive and guarded? Yeah. Whether it's your wife, right, right. a friend, or someone in trial. Sometimes you have to take them outside like of, of, of their, their, their head. So if you and I are talking in here, and say we get in an argument, we're just here in this room. We take out a step outside, and then you get some perspective. Right. Then you have some clarity. What do we say when we get overwhelmed? I, I need some space. I need to. I need to go take a walk. It's the same way when we're having a conversation. You know, I, I can have if I sense something that in that moment I can do one of two things. I can either react, meaning I can get defensive, or I can respond. Responding is a way that says, I'm trying to understand you. Reaction says, I have no say in it. I, you have the cause, I, this is the effect, and that has no accountability in that. Responding says, I'm taking full accountability for my feelings that only I can touch. Yeah. That's, that's the big difference. Wow. How do you not get triggered emotionally, though, in life? Like, Personally, if someone's coming at you or attacking you or making you wrong, how do you keep your cool and not get defensive and take things personally? Or do you? It's very natural to take things personally, but what I say before I want to take things personally is I'll say, I'll say, put it down, Jefferson. I'll say, put it down. Most of the time when we're taking something personally, we're picking something up that nobody asks us to carry. And we're just choosing to hold on to it, choosing to say, this was meant for me. And that's not always the case. And too many times we get, somebody says, why are you taking this so personally? And they turn around, we're holding it all. Like, well, well why are you holding that? I didn't ask you to hold any of that. So you, you, you get in a position to where the, how personal you take something is a direct reflection of how much grace you give other people. And if I start to take things too personally, oh, well, somebody's just going slow in front of me on purpose. Uh, they're showing up late because they want to show a sign to me. It's just all these different ways of treating things negatively. For the most part, you take it personally. And that, that's, you just drop it. Drop that thought because you're not giving them enough grace. When did you learn to let things go and put things down? Did you have this 
call them about you as a kid or did something over time help you realize, okay, I don't, I don't need to hold on to this baggage or right. stress. It, it's just been a, as if it's a just blacksmith hitting on a piece of hot metal, man. I just, my whole life has been that from. Really? Yeah. From my upbringing, a lot of attorneys in the family, I'm the oldest for, I love being the big brother. That meant I had to do a lot of mediating with siblings, a lot of, I mean, I, I was the kid in the corner who just got to hear all the courtroom stories. And so they would teach you how to project and how to present and how to persuade and how to at pace. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And that just kind of translated with what, what I like. Some people are really good at math or economics or accounting. Not me. <laughs> this, this, this is, this is my thing. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think a lot of people in today's world want to be great at winning arguments. What would you say if you wanted to win an argument would be the three keys to set yourself up for success? Number one would be understand that arguments aren't always meant to be won. So there's a, a trap of thinking that it, there can only be one on top of the mountain. And if that is true, then that's a very lonely place to be. And arguments, in my view, are an opportunity to create understanding. It's okay to have conflict. Uh, you and I can argue about something, but when it gets negative, that's when it's bad. You and I could argue of who's the best baseball team. And, you know, that's a disagreement that ratchets up a little bit more, becomes an argument. Maybe we get a little bit more passioned. Sure. But number one is that don't get into the trap of thinking that you have to win it because when you do, it just it's only going to breed contempt because it comes at a cost. And maybe you made fun of them. Maybe you said something that was, you know, too final, too close to the to the best. So number two is know what the end goal is. Oftentimes we get into this argument and what happens, we're like 10 minutes into it and we go, how did we start this? How did we even get here? What, what were we arguing about? Right, 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 right. And that meant that it wasn't real. Most of the time when that happens, it means that the true issue you were arguing about was just a red herring. It's just a surface. So it's, it, it you have to know where you're going to go in the argument. So what, what the final outcome is. And number two, how are you going to heal it? Because if it's an issue of, especially emotion, if you don't heal it in a way that is going to continue to create that, that positive understanding and interaction, you, you will, you will lose every time. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.
Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. How to heal the argument or how to heal the disagreement or whatever is happening yes. in between you and the other right, person. Right, right. Which involves taking accountability for what your behavior has done. Yeah. It, one of the worst ways to do that is say, well, I would have done it had you not done it, right? If you say, well, I would have. I wouldn't have said this if you not said that. No, and then you don't need to. Once you start tallying who did what, you're you're already in a losing situation. The the, the correct response is, "I'm sorry that I said this. I could have done better." And that ex, that acknowledgement of, "I shouldn't have said that. I didn't mean that. I'm going to do better." Just that little promise says, "I'm I'm wanting to heal this." Rather than uh, go go Just kick fierce. rocks, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. You know, it sounds like something that that type of language sounds like something that would work really well in an intimate relationship, a partner, uh, you know, in a marriage. If people spoke like that, hey, I didn't mean it like that. I'm really sorry. Uh, I'm sorry if that hurt you. Right. That's not what I really meant. Yes, I'm sure that would help heal and mend arguments and disagreements in a beautiful, loving way. I'm curious from your experience, you've been married 11 years now, is that correct? 11, yeah. You've been doing trial law for how long? Eight. Eight years, okay, so. Uh, yeah, about 10, 10 years, yeah. Roughly about the same time. Yeah. What is the number one skill you bring to trial law that you aren't as good in marriage and relationships? And what is the number one thing you do well in your marriage that you wish you did better in trial law. Mm. In the first scenario of what do I do well at court that I don't do well at home? Or not as well. Yeah, not as well. Manage my emotions. You manage emotions really well at court. Yes. You have to. I can't I can't be I can't be acting a fool. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like there's too there's too much there's too much at stake and and you're you're as a profession. It's, that's not a place to be doing that it, versus at home. Yeah, I get mad about, I mean, all kinds of things. Really? Yeah. I mean, we, we, I'm human. I mean, but of course, I'm not somebody who lashes out. I'm not, I'm not a big emotionally reactive uh, person. I'm, I'm pretty much like this. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that the fifth time I, you know, my son's asked me to, uh, for a popsicle, that it's, no, man, it's after bedtime. We've already eaten one a day. It's, it's time to go I've to bed. I've already said no. Yeah, yeah, we've, I've already said no. And like you just, it's easy to uh, try and get that. So dealing with those emotions, and I, I also think a lot of that is home is a safe place to express and feel your emotions. Right. Versus in the workplace, not so much. You may not succeed as well you got in it. your career or accelerate your not career. Not mine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah if, if you are. Because if you're always emotionally reactive in my profession, you're just seen as a hothead and somebody that nobody can work with. Not credible. No, not, right. not credible. On the flip side of it, what do I do well at home that I don't do nearly as well in the in the workplace? Man, that's, that's hard. 
I feel like what we do really well at home is sometimes have like very direct, fast arguments. And my wife's also an attorney. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah, both yeah. got your case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but our arguments are extremely efficient. Like they I, I can't I can count on one hand the amount of times they've actually been like long. Really? Yeah. And it's typically pretty pretty quick. How do you how do you create quick arguments? How do you end arguments quickly? Quick apologies. Really? And you both apologize fast? Yes, but but we will kind of package it. We, it's not like we have a formula or like, let's go to the book. No, right. it's not. <laughs> this is what we've like developed over time is uh, when I heard you say this, it made me think this. I didn't mean that. Okay. Well, I'll, I will, next time I'll try to ask you this before I go there. I won't make an assumption. Yeah. I won't get upset right away without asking you further. Yeah interrogations yeah yeah yeah. yeah. you got it oh yeah i I can't tell you how many times i'll hear like stop cross-examining like she she can pick it up immediately and i don't mean to do it yeah it's just happening but sure yeah okay she quickly shuts that down what is a a top strategy or technique that you've learned ethically to get what you want from people to persuade influence and enroll others strangers or people you know very well and getting something you want. You have to give them a reason to want to give it to you. And it needs to come from a place of making them happy to do so. And when it becomes a a place of rather a negotiation, which makes them feel like they've lost something, you couch it and frame it in a way that feels like they've gained something. And so if you and I are across the table in a negotiation, Whatever you give, you've lost. But if I can say, you know what, Lewis, man, you've just been doing so well. You hit three million on and YouTube now. I mean, your stuff's just going off the charts. You know what you could be really good at and I'd love to see is X, Y, and Z. And all of a sudden, it's like a shift of you're sitting on the same t- side of the table as me. And now I'm trying to help you inspire other thoughts that are also aligned with what I want. And that's a much, now you're going to say, oh, that sounds sneaky. No, it's, it's not. It's actually getting what you, you need sometimes in a way that is also benefiting the other person. Right. I'd much rather that way than say, I don't like you. You don't like me. We're just going to have a bloodbath and have at it. Sure. May the the best guy win. Right, right. Yeah. You know? So just don't ask for a a, uh, arm wrestle right now. You're going to win that one. (laughs) (laughs) When you go into a negotiation you know you're about to negotiate something yeah what is the best intention you should have going into it so that you can create the best outcome for you and the other person still feels like they didn't lose the so chris foss's book is fantastic never split the difference and one of the things about tactical empathy is making the other person feel like you're you want the best for them that you're that you're in their camp and you're not going to get emotionally reactive in the in the answer. You're you you're already addressing the issues that you're expecting them to to think of. So, like he'll say, you're probably thinking that X, Y, and Z. You're, you, it sounds to me like he's already kind of given these hints of what he's already picking up on. And when you say what already they are thinking in their mind, you pull it out on the table really quickly, and then and then and then that's it. What I will do a lot of the times is 
somebody gives some kind of objection, not like in a legal sense in a courtroom, but I'll say aside from that, aside from what you just said, anything else that I should know about? They say, no, great. And then I'll typically give it like a two path thing. So I will, I will ask more questions. See, typically when I hear that, some, it means that they really don't want to talk to me and that's, that's okay if you're not ready to right now. If there's some they actually do want to talk about, they're not sure what they want to say. Is it really one or two for you? And then you be able to kind of delve for that. But it's inviting them into a way that it's going to get you what you want at the end. Right, right. That's interesting. Yeah. And how do you build confidence in conversations with people that are difficult, that are smarter than you, potentially, uh, that are older than you? How do you create confidence in challenging conversations to make sure that you're on the same play field with the other person and you get the results you want in the conversation, whether it's just a conversation or a negotiation. One would be to do not let defensiveness be your first step. As soon as you take that step, you've lost. The better way to do it is let your breath be the first word that you say. So if you think of your breath as a word, it kind of changes your mind of, Okay, now I can address this because what we'll do is we'll hold our breath like that. And then, I mean, you know, this thing kicks in our nerves, then, then, then comes in the adrenaline, then yeah. comes in the defensiveness and you realized I haven't even breathed yet, <laughs> you know? And, um, and when it comes to, to, to confidence, of course we can say it's the way you project, it's the way you smile, it's the way you pace your conversation, keeping your voice low keeping your words slow. It's all these kind of things is the perception that I don't have to say anything more than what I need to say. Because oftentimes, more words says less. You need to eliminate that. Right, right. Less words says more. Yeah, sometimes. I, 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 yeah, every time. What's it been like over the last year? You were a trial lawyer for seven, eight years, you know, in a small town, Texas, and, uh, you know, living your life, kids, married. And then all of a sudden you say, you know what, I think I'm going to share some of these things on yeah. social media, you know, essentially a year, year and a half ago. And um, even the last year and a half, it's gone from a couple videos here and there to over 5 million followers. Right. And people really coming to you for wisdom and advice. And, you know, now your business growing, your law firm growing, and opportunities coming to you. Right. What is that experience done for you and your confidence and also your personal life and do you feel more stressed or overwhelmed or a sense of pressure now that you have this larger following and people looking to you for advice yes it has helped my law firm in a big way because i don't tell people what i do but they're interested in it and so they go and find me now sometimes i'll just get calls for people who just want to talk sure or people who will act like they're a client just so, just so they can talk but by and large, it's, it's been very helpful for, for my business. And it's always helpful for my trials. I have, I have several trial settings this this fall. There's not a judge who hasn't seen the videos. There's not an really? opposing counsel who hasn't seen the videos. And so it's, it's good and bad because it makes me very hyper aware of my interactions with them. Because as soon as I say one thing that's off, then oh, Jefferson's not who he, um, who he is, which is just not true. But. I would say, absolutely, it's built a lot more pressure. Really? And yeah, yeah. That's the, I think it was one of the sources of the 
when I had a, my first panic attack at the beginning of this year. Uh, because even though you have more followers, it's also very isolating in a way because I know law very well. And when I had that, I had a lot of people at my table, so to speak. I had mentors, I had friends, I had other people who, I mean, other lawyers, I had my, my family, I had studied it. I knew, I'd read all the things and it started out awesome. The social media thing was, I, I, I just going in my car for a little bit and make, making a video of what was off the top of my head. And now it's gotten much more serious. And with that, there's a pressure of not wanting to give bad advice. I'm certainly never going to act like I know everything. I can, of course, I can give bad advice. I mean, it's it's inevitable. So you have that kind of feeling, and it's a lot of eyes on you. So with anybody, it's kind of that imposter syndrome. Like, do I really know what I'm saying? You know, is do I really do I really know it, or I'm just fooling everybody? Wow. And so you kind of have to to battle that in your head and go, no, no, I've done this, I've done this. Like, when I say done, like I've lived this, I've lived that. Although this has been my life. Yes. And as long as I share my life and I'm authentic to who I am, I'm never going to be an imposter. Right. Because you started opening up recently and did some different videos about the, you know, kind of mental health uh, panic attacks yeah. that you've experienced. When did you have the first panic attack? How did that make you feel? And how have you been able to manage that feeling of overwhelm or, you know, panic? It was in February where... All of a sudden, I had a whole bunch of videos that were taken off. Videos that I had posted like two weeks prior. Going viral. You got it. Yeah, I had like four of them all in a row. And it was me going, I don't know what's happening. Somebody at Instagram messed up. Like, I, you know, like the, like this, this can't be. And as it continued to grow, then I started seeing more people with, I didn't have a blue check. All these more people with a blue check following me. Um, and that was before you could buy it. And then I'm seeing you know, uh, other celebrities and I'm going, hold up here. Uh, what, what's happening? And then I knew I needed to get like build a website because I didn't have a website. So I'm staying up super late, like working on some Put something together. Yeah, there, just yeah. anything, any, anything. There's no team. It's just, it's just this guy. And it was... A little after midnight, wife, kids were asleep. And Lewis, it felt like somebody had gotten that little piece of paper and just wafted it in front of my face, like a very cool just rush. And I said out loud in the kitchen, I said, what was that? Because I was like, is this a ghost? Just, you know, jump over me. And just like that, it was, I just, all of a sudden I could hear it in my ears, tightness in my chest, and my whole system just started to like, freak i was convinced i was convinced that was a heart attack and i was dying holy cow because i knew it could not have been anxiety really why you you know what i mean like i was like i i I stress for breakfast yeah i'm chill you know i mean trials i've had you know me stressful situations and money on the line and all this stuff I, i i eat stress we can do this i i was it was such an ignorant mindset. But at the moment, I was like... You thought you were having a heart attack. I thought I was having a heart attack because there could be no other explanation in my mind because I don't have anxiety. I don't have a panic attack. That's for people who don't have their life together. That was the that was the very wrong mindset that I had. And what happened during that night and how did you get through it? 
Oh, well, I went to the ER because I thought I was dying. Wow. And did you drive yourself? Did your wife drive you? Did you call 911? I called 911. Yeah. The ambulance came to pick you up. Mm-hmm. The whole thing, all the thing. lights, sirens. The whole thing, dude. They bring out the. Oh, yeah. The I, was, I was shaking so badly, like uncontrollable shaking. I don't know. I, I don't know. I didn't know what was going on. All I knew was like, all I could tell my wife is something is not right. Like, that's all I could get out of my mouth. Something is not right. It's true. Something was not right. right. My body's like, no. Your nothing. body was convulsing. Yeah, yeah my body was like, yeah, you're not right. right now. It was like shutting down. Yeah. The system powered down. Yeah, or... all of that. Holy was, cow. It, yeah, at, at 34 is the first time I've ever had that kind of experience. It was very real. I mean, as physical and tangible as, as heart pounding. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so- Sweating, we, dizziness, oh, all uh, of it. I couldn't tell if I was going to throw it. I, like, I, was, I was like, Lord, anytime, please, because I hated- the, the whole thing, it just felt like it was days while you're just shaking. So I get down to the hospital. They run my blood work. By that time, I'm having like what you would call, I guess, aftershocks. Like I'd, I'd be good, and then I'd have another just like onset. And then like kind go of intense off. heart yeah. palpitations. And then or... it'd go flat, and then I'd just like, everything in my body would like clinch up. I just And that happened for, I, I don't know, two hours or so. And then they just said, well, you just... No heart attack. Your heart's good. Yeah, your blood works fine. Blood Everything fine. was healthy, fine. healthy, healthy as can be. But you just you had a had a panic attack, and I was like, "Excuse me, what?" And like you had a panic attack. I was like, uh, "No, I'm sure my yeah, heart yeah, had a yeah." Attack. I was yeah. like, "I was like, uh, are you sure? You just it's okay. I'll get a heart monitor. It's okay." Uh, but yeah, so that's panic attack. Panic and when attack. they said that, how did they make you feel? It made me feel very normal and 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 messed up. It made me feel like I was something was wrong with me. Like it made me feel like, uh, oh no, I am now I'm one of them. Like now I'm now I'm somebody who can't control my thoughts. Now I'm somebody who like now I am going. And then like the panic of the thoughts. So some of those thoughts in my mind. Panic of the panic attack. You got it. Yeah, and, and and because in that moment, yeah, I can tell myself, of course, no, you you're perfectly normal. Yes, you're supposed to have your body is. This is all natural. I could say that now. In that moment, it was. Well, what, what's 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 happening, and as my brain is falling apart, because you would have these rapid thoughts that would come, these crazy thoughts that I could not stop. Like, and I'm like, what thoughts? Oh, you, uh, I'll, for whatever reason, they would revolve around like, uh, for whatever reason, death was a trigger. Like any thought of dying or the topic of it would just like send my whole body into a, a fritz, and that's so bizarre coming from never in my life has this happened ever and here i am the guy who is at the time is going it was the night that my fallen hit a million is when it happened wow the night you hit a million the night, the night in a million and but it was the thought of here's this guy who gives all this communication advice about you know blah blah and i'm just rippling and i'm just melting i had another panic attack for the next eight days Every day. Every day. Did you call the ER every time or no? No, no, no. You I, knew this was happening. Yeah. The second time, the second time was at the office and I was like, oh no. I said, I was like, oh no. But at that point I knew I wasn't dying and that's a, that's a very big relief. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. 
Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. How long did the second one last? Uh, just as long. The couple hours. hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're sitting in the office for a couple hours, like laying down on the couch. Breathing. The I'm, I'm straight just like pulling out the Headspace app. I'm working Holy. on my breathing. I'm like, yeah. And so- And I, the next days after that, it was the same- They got a little bit shorter, but it would happen at terrible times. Wow, man. And yeah, it was terrible. It was a horrible time. And then um, I was like, man, I got to see what this is. I got to see what this is about. So I spent like a full day, marked off my calendar of like, I am researching- everything I want to know about this topic because never in my life had I been on our radar. What'd you find out about? What'd you, what'd you discover? So I discovered s- several things. One was part of that response that your body is going through. Your body is telling you things that something is not right. You're because I, I have a great mental game and I can tell myself just about anything like, no, I'm not nervous. I'm excited. I, I'm I am very happy to be here or I'm prepared. I'm there someday. Yeah. You, you got yeah. I have to have this mindset of calm, cool, and collected when I walk in that door. When I walk through those courtroom doors, they need to I need to look like uh, I've already won. I just need to show them why. And and here in this mindset was me saying, actually, uh your body knows better than you do. You uh, can't outthink this. You got it, yeah. Cannot think. You got to feel it, yeah, and, and move through it. Yeah, there's that book. I can't remember the author. Body keeps the score. Yeah, and incredible book. Yeah, so I I ordered that book like right away. What did you learn about your yourself, your body, yeah. and your memories of the past mm-hmm. that were causing this? There was a sense of, and this is gonna it's gonna sound weird, but it's just, it was a sense of immediate isolation. Okay, I have the million on my phone. Between me and you, it's just a digit from a number on my phone. That's it. No different than if I just press one on a keypad on my calculator on my phone. But that number meant much more significance. And of course, there are a lot of creators that have way more than that. But for somebody who's just been in this car, who doesn't see any of these people, right. I'm in a small town. I'm a, I'm growing a law firm. I'm just doing all I can. And then all of a sudden, I felt like a lot of eyes were on me, and I had nobody to help. Like, there was nobody. I couldn't. If I called my best friend, he'd be like, yeah, I mean. Uh, he doesn't understand. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a bummer. You know? I, I just, they couldn't. They couldn't. I, I could tell, hey, we do, what do you think? I don't know. I'm glad I reached out to you then. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Good time, Rick. It really <laughs> was. I'm telling you. I, that's why I, I, I thank you immensely, because that, that was just to have that, that presence yeah. is um, to know that. I, if I need to, I can call or somebody who's kind of been yeah. through that, that change. And so now there's probably only four, maybe five people that I can ha- share everything with Yeah, that will actually not judge me, that will relate to it in some way that maybe has already had some type of experience like that, that will, you know, have compassion for me where if I said these things to other people or publicly or whatever it might be. 
people just won't understand or when I get it. And I'm not saying that- Or take it wrong. Or they might take it wrong. And I'm not saying that I have like some unique experience that's greater or better than others. It's yeah. just a different unique experience right. from a different position of yeah. life. And it's not a better, worse than, good, bad. It's just a different perspective. That's right. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, there's, there's only a few people that I can really fully just let loose with yeah but that's 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 smart i mean that's biblical that the, keep your friends very close and few and that your your true ones that right, they're right, love, right. You, love you no, no matter yeah, what i mean where i can say all this stuff the you got the messy the nasty the the unfiltered the unfiltered the stuff hurt, the raw yeah. the all yeah all of that it and was, and it's it would human beings need that at every stage of life yeah you know whether you're 14 and right dealing with stuff in your mind or some weird stuff or you're 40 yeah. you know yeah. we all need those people that we can have those conversations with yeah yeah every at every stage at every level if if you don't have that outlet your your body's going to carry it for you absolutely until it till it can't until anymore it, it's going to release in some yeah, way until it can and and that's that's what happened with me was just that that feeling of big time isolation had been there were more brands and diff, like you know, like people email you and call you and, uh, you need to Want go with this. From yes. You. And, oh, we see this and you ought to do it. And so you're going, wait, man, look, I just, I got to get chicken nuggets in the oven right now. You know what I mean? Like, can, can you yeah, please? My, my yeah. kids cry over here. Right, Let me just right. deal like, with this. Yeah. Like I get home, it's, it's mayhem. It's bath time. It's, you know, you just, yeah, there's no, there's no team of anything beyond the guy in the car yet. But it was definitely that feeling of, I felt like my life was just like starting to just expand in a, in a very surreal way that my body felt despite what my brain was telling it. What did you realize about yourself from those eight days of panic attacks that you were holding on to, that you were resisting, or that you were not ready for yet? It was a sense of don't let them down. Like that was a- What, the number? Uh, the number yeah. of people watching or following? Yeah, well, because they'll comment, they message, they they say incredibly nice, heartfelt things. I still get to read them. And they're just the kindest, yeah. kindest things that you go, I do not deserve to read what I just- Wow. Like, yeah, I mean, you just, you just feel like an immediate sense of uh, humility and- Like an imposter or something? N not so much an imposter of a- don't let these people down because they really do depend on that that advice for whatever reason. That they've daily message you give they've them. They've chosen the guy in the car, in the driver's seat. They want to hear what his thoughts are on, on X, Y, and Z, which I love. I truly do love it. And I hope I do it for the rest of my life. But it is in that moment, in the very first beginning of me saying, okay, this is happening. Like, this is... I guess this is happening. That was a immediate sense of settling into that ex that expectation. I also learned that I was getting a bad habit of holding my breath when I was working or doing so things. You weren't breathing, so your body was you like, yeah. And so I know I was, that feeling, man. Yeah. So I was reading, and that part of that panic attack is the same sensation you get when your body's drowning, is because I, I'm I'm holding my breath priving myself of oxygen and my body is like kicking in <laughs> yeah you got it it needs more oxygen you got it and so without me just thinking in the day i was catching myself more and more holding my breath or shallow breathing or yes. various 
That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Barely breathing. Like, of course I'm alive, but it's like I'm holding it more than I'm letting it out and I'm not fully utilizing my body, which tells me that there's that tension, that like tightness. Yeah. So once I realized that I was holding my breath, that's what taught me of like, okay, well, let's, let's fix that. Right. Because once I started fixing that, much, much, much better. Mm. Yeah. There's something I've learned over the years about, and I'm curious how you approach this. And I, I don't always get it right. And I don't always, it doesn't always work for me, but a psychological strategy when someone is quote unquote attacking me or saying nasty things about me that I don't believe are true, or maybe it's just, I don't like the way they're saying it. And I don't want it to penetrate yeah. my heart and yes. my soul. Yeah. And be reactive and defensive right. and right, uh, right, yeah, yeah, rigid yeah. and frustrated and all these things. When the when the when the brow goes like that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of the psychological or therapeutic uh, strategies that I've learned is to imagine either a a field, an energetic field around me that I can see it, but then it bounces off. Okay. The words, the yeah. intention, the yeah. energy, it comes and then boink, it just goes around me and right. it, like water off a duck. I feel like there's right? a Star Wars reference, but yes, yeah, that's, that's exactly. exactly right. Yeah. Or what I'll do is I will separate the ego from the self and I'll have the ego over here next to me psychologically. Yeah. And an image of it, the ego of me here. Yeah. I'll just say, oh, they're just speaking to the ego. Yeah. The detachment. They're just. Oh, they're speaking over here. Right. They're not actually speaking to me. Yeah. They might be looking at me, but it's just more redirecting right. right here. Right. And, oh, this doesn't affect me. Yeah, they're talking oh, to just, that guy. Yeah. And I saw, um, I think I saw, I think it was Selma Hayek one time talk about this. Um, and she was giving an example somewhere, a line about how, you know, if someone spoke to you really poorly in Spanish and you don't speak Spanish, you're not going to get defensive. Right. You're just going to be like, well, okay, I have no clue <laughs> what this crazy person yeah. is saying to me. Um, okay, so just act like it's a different language. Right. You know, it's different ways of like separating yourself from yeah, the hurt I like that too. or the, the potential pain. Yes. What have you learned to support yourself psychologically and emotionally and spiritually yeah. when this feeling of panic or stress comes your way? or when potential attacks come your way emotionally. So very similar to yours, I, in my mind, I visually have a trash can next to me. Oh, okay. All right, and I can see it. It's one of those big, huge gallon ones. Yeah. It's the black, sure. shiny, it's, Open yeah, it up, you got but, it, yeah. yeah. And I see what they're, they're saying is just a shoot. So I can see the words coming and I'm sifting uh, because the issue they're telling me is not the real issue. And so if I hear something that's uh, offensive, that's not nice, I just, okay, that's trash. Let me just, I'm just, I, in my mind, I grab it with my right hand, lift up and throw wow. it. Wow. Like that's, that's, that's cool. what I'll do with my, with my thoughts. And I'm sifting to where if they might've led with something that was snarky, which our inclination is to grab onto that yeah, and send it back to it. Yeah. yeah. Send it back and go, like, oh, I just, I got a good one coming. Instead, then, yeah, yeah, you got it. Instead, if I throw that one away, if I just trash it, and then I found the one word that they said at the very end, towards the end, and that was that was the one word. And then if I focus on that word, then it all starts to kind of crumble. 
but that's I just imagine a trash can. Wow, that's interesting. Now, how do you not? How do you communicate your worth when someone is being offensive or adding a little digs underneath their language? Maybe they're trying to get a message across, um, and they're frustrated, so they're saying a few things that would be offensive to you potentially, or maybe hurt you, or maybe kind of put you beneath. Yeah. How do you create a boundary? consciously with them so that they don't keep doing that in the future where it's letting them know, Hey, this, this type of communication doesn't really work for me. It's not okay. And, and owning your worth. Yeah. While also being able to throw it away at the same time and not let it get to you. Like, how do you navigate that so that they, that doesn't continue to happen in friendships or yeah. in relationships or in career right. where that doesn't continue? Like, I understand we can do it once or twice yeah. or three times, but if someone's always doing that to us, right? how do we create create that boundary and, and cautiously communicate our worth? Depending on the context of like who that person is, you know, who, who they are in your life. So some people you just can't get away from, I mean, or family members, what have you, but it's a balance of your value and then what we're going to just call as what I'm interested in. So if somebody were going to say something that's offensive in a way, and they they are pushing me, it's a much more powerful move, a very dominant, assertive move to say, I'm not interested in returning what you just gave. Oh, wow. That's a, it's a power move. Yeah. Oh yeah. And see, it's, it... so if I say Jefferson, you know, it was pretty idiotic what you did the other day to me and I, I just didn't, you know, yeah. You just looked like an idiot, but I, what I really want to do is, is I want, moving forward, I want us to go do this thing instead. Right. Or whatever. I'm just yeah, saying yeah, yeah. something. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. How would you respond to something like, like that? So if somebody, well, what you kind of did was you, you like hit it into something else that they did. So what I, I would first do is call that out. I hear two points. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, I'm not going to skip that. So okay. I'll say, so you want to you want to just throw the trash away right away. You got it. You well, address it. Well, because they're trying to hide the trash and the good. Yeah. And so I my response is, well, I see two different things. So that first point, I don't have an interest in responding to whatever. Or I'm going to say, well, maybe I did look like an idiot, but I'm not going to be I'm not going to be holding on to whatever message you're trying to, right. to send to me. But it's a it's much more dominant move to say I have no interest in returning what you're sending. Right, I have no interest in calling you what I saw yesterday. You do, or something like that. I'm you got it. it. But if you use the phrase "I have no interest," I have no interest in in talking about your opinion of my performance. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? Like it's obviously that's not something you want to start off with because that could sound that could sound defensive. That can sound issues, but the point of it is when you say I have no interest, you're letting them know, I don't have an, in it's like you're saying that as you're doing the trash can thing, I really don't have an interest in, you know, this, this kind of food, it's not great for me. doesn't really settle well with me, but what does taste good of what you said, you know, about X, Y, and Z. And so you kind of imagine those words as part of, let's say it's kind of, you know, your diet, sorry, I'm a little lactose intolerant, but right. So let's, let's skip the milk and talk about something else. What are the three power moves in conversations that really set you up for success in any conversation? 
Number one is silence. It's just nothing. So if somebody were to say something that's snarky, the best move is to say nothing. You just kind of sit back and you look around and you look up or you look off. I'm telling you nine times out of 10, they can't take it. Really? They can't take that silence because then, then it's spread out. You've just exposed. Instead of you covering it up with something else that says, excuse me, did, what did you say? You're just leaving it open. Um, Can you like, that, that really was that the best foot you're going to wow. put out right now? You got that one. You go, that's the one you, we're going to choose. And if you just let that silence sit there, oftentimes, and you probably heard this, they go, I shouldn't have said that. You, you got to give them that chance. That's number one. Yeah. Number one is you got you to give them the chance of, of that silence. Number two, acknowledge that it could be without acknowledging that it is. And you say, an example. of saying, well, maybe so. Maybe you're right. And not say you're right. No. But maybe you are. Maybe, maybe you're right. But it's that piece of humility that says, yeah, well, maybe you're right. Mm. I had a guy once who said, uh, I was deposing him and, you know, all these, all you lawyers, worst things that ever happened to America kind of talk. And I said, well, maybe you're right. But today's just going to be a conversation between us. Mm. Is it okay if you're just talking to Jefferson? And he said, yeah, I can do that. Wow. And so it's that ability to just say, well, maybe so, but I could have, I could have gotten really defensive with him. I could have, I could have chosen to take that personally instead. I just dropped it. Uh, the other power, other power move is to hold off on the timing. So when you are mad, that's generally not the best time to do it. When, like when, when you know you've done something wrong, you want somebody to be mad at you, to like fight me, please. Like I know I've done something wrong. I let's let's have this out. We'll talk about this. You got, you got, you want to talk about this at noon? All right. right. Let's well, talk about. Let's, it. let's put it in the calendar for tomorrow. You got it. Let's. Oh, oh, well, I'm okay. And it's. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. Well, then, you know, I don't really have my thoughts together on that, but. Mm. Why don't we kind of wanted to talk about that at, at noon tomorrow? What, what do you think? Now they're like, oh my God. Like yeah, I, just, yeah. I just said something that I shouldn't have said. <laughs> but that's that's a much better way of of uh, of handling it. Because at, at that point, you have not lost any confidence. Right. You have not lost your credibility. And you just, you, you've maintained that you're the one in control at all times. And I'm telling you, the key is just starting with your breath mm. and choosing to be quiet. Right. If you were to if you were to say something to me, and I responded right away, like if you were to say, um, I don't know, do you do you um, do you enjoy matcha tea? And I go no. Versus me thinking, no. Like there's just a different connotation to it sure. when, you, when you think about it. Yeah. Um, about fourteen years ago. Um, Someone gave me a a line that became one of the most powerful uses of language over the last 14 years to help me get almost anything I want or more of what I already have. And I use it all the time. When I go uh, order a coffee, I use it. When I go to a hotel and try to get an upgrade, I use it. When I'm working with uh, partners and collaborators, I use it. And the line is, what's the chance? 
what's the chance you can give me a discount on this? What's the chance you can give me an upgrade in this hotel room? Yeah, I love What's it. the chance you can get me in first class? Yeah. What's the chance we can collaborate in a bigger way? Yeah. What's the chance you can go a little more on this? And I've used that over and over again because it continues to work. And I almost use it as a game daily. Yeah. Like any store I go into, I'm just like, what's the chance you got 10% off on this? Yeah. Just to see what if you can make something happen. Yeah. Because if you don't ask, you're not going to get it. Right. And um, it's just like a way to be playful. It's a way to like, see, can I enroll someone in something that I maybe I shouldn't be getting, I but like I wouldn't get. Yes. And it often works where the unexpected happens. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Is there another line of communication that you use, maybe even unknowingly, that yeah. you use consistently that seems to just help you enroll people in more of what you want? So I do, I absolutely use the, What's the chance? Really? Yeah. So I will use that when it feels like a circus, <laughs> like a stalemate between oh, the other man. attorney. And now look, what's the chance that your client's going to be able to do X, Y, and Z? Also, I will try to separate the attorney from the client. Same way I do with like the reception clerk versus the hotel. I I, I make sure that I acknowledge them as the person, because I acknowledge their struggle of what they're going through. Right. And so if I talk to the attorney of, look, I can only imagine, you know, all the updates you're, you're having to do or all the work you're putting through. I, I know that this is how you're doing the best thing you can for your client. But, I mean, between me and you, what, what, what's the chance that we can do X, Y, and Z? Or if I were to do, or if I were to say, or if my client were, if I were to encourage my client to do this, is that something that I should do? And it gives them a, something to think about. Right. The same way, like at a, let's say at a hotel or something like that, I, I can only imagine you just been, how, how long's your shift? Yeah. Yeah, seven hours. And I'm like, gosh, yeah, that's going to be. And so you just, yeah, you kind of create that connection with them that says, I'm talking to you individually as a person rather than seeing you as the whole. And then, because that's who they are. Yeah, exactly. That's powerful. I wanted to go back to the uh, the panic attacks for a moment. Um, does it sound like you, you really studied and research a lot on how you could manage and, and, and have a better relationship with the anxiety or the stress that you were having for those eight days? Have you had more panic attacks since the moment? They've gotten less and less and less. Less and less. Maybe uh, like because, five, 10 minutes at a time or something. Yeah. So, uh, well, I haven't had, I probably haven't had a panic attack. I'm, I've gotten very close probably in the last like three weeks, but what it is, is like a sense of boiling water. Like I can feel the water boiling and then I, my, and I can feel it in my body. Like I can feel it in my fingers of 
right? tingly. Yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. Or I'm typically never somebody to shake my leg. But if all of a sudden my leg is shaking, then I'm like, okay, something's up. And that all, like, that'll tell me right away of, all right, what, what, what are we doing? What's going on? Be able to kind of check in with myself and, and how that's been. But it's, it's progressed much <laughs> better. better. Yeah, it, it, it really has. Therapy helps. Yeah. And I, in, the, that was really the source was not feeling alone in this kind of ecosystem that I didn't ask for. Like that, this is never my goal of like, if I can only get so many followers. Yeah. yeah. It was like, a, let's just go, I don't know. I got a few minutes. Like I'll talk to my phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 What is the, what is the relationship been like with your wife and your kids since experiencing the rise of your audience, but also the stress and, and panic that you've experienced over the last six months? How has your wife shown up for you? And, and how has it made you relate to your family differently? Well, having kids has made me much more just empathetic as a, as a person. And I'll tell you that it's, it is a way that we relate to each other is when I see them start to get really emotional, I can see myself in it. Yeah, my son looks a lot like me. And so like I can, it's very much this kind of weird inner child, like dialogue, wow. like I'm telling them things that I wish I could have, oh, I, I would have been told at, you know, Hey man, it's okay to cry. Wow. Just let it out. Let it out. No, you know, I was never told that, but I went, I'm not going to make that mistake. And so my son is extremely waterworks all the time. And I love it. I mean, he's emotional in movies. I love it. And you know, I was, and so I, to, to see that where I go, no, 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 I've, I've, I've had that mistake of trying to put on this Jefferson's got it all together. This mask. Yeah. Yeah. This, I got it all. I got it all together. It's, it's, it, you were just let it out, man. Wow. It's, it's all good. It's all good. And he will. He'll just cry and say, I can't help it. And I'll say, you don't need to. He's good, man. You're good. He's, he's very, both of my kids are, are extremely, um, empathetic with, with movies. Mm. Um, I, I shared something before of this was like not that long ago. And my son says, how your day was that? It was good, buddy. We, it was, it was, it was good. And he was like, what, what'd you do? I was like, well, it was, it was just good. It was a good day. It was fine. Truthfully, it was not good. Mm. Like it was, it was a really horrible, it was a rough day. It was yeah, a rough yeah. day. I was tired. And later on that evening, he came up to me again. And he said, "So why did you tell me your day was good when it wasn't?" Wow. I said, "What?" He said, "You didn't." He said, "You said it was good, but it didn't. You didn't say it like it was good." I was like, "How did you? How did you know?" He's like, "You said it like it wasn't good. You wow. said it like it was bad." They feel everything. Yes, and I was like, "How are you this young?" And like, he had already sensed it. Like he told me he was good. He wasn't. Wow. And so that that kind of aspect of it. When you say, "How's my wife showing up for me?" She's allowed me to have the time to kind of explore, hey, you need to make sure you're taking care of yourself. And she's awesome at su- supporting anything that I'm after. And we support both of our careers. She has a full-time career. It's her doing her thing in, in, in school and school law. And I have my, my legal career. And in terms of the social media stuff, it doesn't affect anything. Like it, it could you could call it, Instagram, like nobody right, at right. my house. It doesn't exist at my house. It's just uh, 
your dad, mom, kids, right. mayhem. Right. That's all that's all it is. Now she's very supportive of it and they know that every once in a while dad'll make a video. Sure. So because they want to make videos. I'm curious with your upbringing which sounds like you had a great upbringing, but also things that maybe you wish you would have had or experienced in certain ways from parents or life. And with what you're experiencing now from, you know, building your career, getting married at a young age in today's society, and, and now having this kind of following and presence, what are three lessons? If you could only teach three lessons to your kids right now, what would those three lessons be that you wish you would have known growing up or that you did know and you want them to know? One would be always be authentic to who you are personally. Don't ever try to be anybody else than, than who you are. I can tell you that anytime I felt like I've needed to be somebody else, it was the wrong call. Every time that I tried to be either more or less than just exactly who I am. You know, I, I see it as just a floor in an elevator. doesn't mean it's a better floor or not. It just... You need to be exactly where you're, you're meant to sure. be. Two is it's okay to, to feel like there are, it's okay to make mistakes. I grew up in a house where it was very, it was a lot of it, I'll admit, was put on myself, expectations of being the best at everything you sure, could, sure. you could be at, at whatever it was. I just enjoyed it. And but the understanding that they don't have to put that pressure on on, on themselves. And, and number three is be kind to everybody. Kindness kindness never it never changes. People value it now. They they always they always have. We could talk for hours, man, but I wanna wrap things up here in a few minutes. Um Jefferson underscore Fisher on Instagram. Yeah. Uh all, all over social media, you can find you. I'll have everything linked up there. Oh, cool, thanks. You've got, a, you've got a book you're working on that we'll probably have you back on in the future when that comes out. But I want people to follow you on Instagram, TikTok, yeah. Facebook, all the places. Hopefully, we'll get you on YouTube soon. <laughs> yeah. And um, you do a daily video, man. Your video, I mean, almost every day, it seems like. It's like every day you're yeah. given wisdom, you're given inspiration from daily lessons and law and your experience in life and right it's really inspiring to see you create from a place of generosity from a place of service so i want to acknowledge you for the consistency and i also want to acknowledge you for opening up about the panics that you've experienced that was hard and being vulnerable with your community and saying hey listen guys this is something i've never experienced and you know i love having this community but also i feel this sense of pressure and this overwhelm that i've never experienced in my life and and I think it's powerful to be talking about it because what we keep hidden and right. we hide continues to manifest and hurt us yeah. and, and stress us. So the fact that you're talking about it is probably allowing you to release some. It really is. And relax some. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to solve every issue you have mentally or emotionally, but right. it's allowing you to set yourself free. So I acknowledge you for not having it all put together not saying the perfect thing every time and allowing yourself to express how you feel, which sounds like is what your body needs. Yeah. Thank you very much. That, that's very well put. I acknowledge you, man, for, for doing the work and for continually doing it because it's healing is a journey. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm glad you're on that journey. I feel free to reach out anytime you want I, some support or just yeah, to chat. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, it, it's meant so much that you've, that you've been here. That, for sure. That, that, that means a lot to me. For sure, man. 
This is a question I ask everyone towards the end called the three truths. So imagine you get to live as long as you want, but it's your last day on earth. You get to accomplish all the dreams and experiences you want to have. But for whatever reason, all of your material, your content, your videos, the books you make, all these things, they have to go to the next place with you or they're no longer in this world. Yeah. This conversation is gone. But it's your last day on earth and you get to leave behind three truths, three lessons you would share with the world. And this is all we have to remember your wisdom by. What would be those three truths or lessons for you? Number one is the best piece of advice I received from my grandfather, who's an old East Texas attorney. He said, boy, you can't look back and plow straight row. That's always stuck with me. Meaning encouraging people to, to be in the moment, in the present. If you look at what you're doing rather than looking for the next worry, your, your head's always going to be in the, 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 right, the right place. Number two is you treat people how you want to be treated. Just that, that very basic golden rule that we've all heard, but sometimes it's the things we've heard the most that we really have soaked up the least. And too many times that uh, I've, you know, we skip over it. And number three would be that at any time that you can show person kindness because you, you'll never regret it. There's so many things that I feel like generationally in, in our existence that we just got wrong. It wasn't our fault. We just weren't ready. Like we thought medicine was something different versus what we think medicine is now, or you look at how we handled punishment or entertainment versus now, but kindness is, it's not affected from inflation or recession or right. it doesn't depreciate. A kindness, little kindness can invaluable. I love it. Those are great truths, man. Final question, Jefferson, what's your definition of greatness? Greatness is being able to show up for who you are in every level and every stage that you, that you're meant to be in a way that spreads joy to everybody that you touch. I hope today's episode inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a rundown of today's show with all the important links. And if you want weekly exclusive bonus episodes with me, as well as ad-free listening experience, make sure to subscribe to our Greatness Plus channel on Apple Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend over on social media or text a friend. Leave us a review over on Apple Podcast and let me know what you learned over on our social media channels at Lewis house. I really love hearing the feedback from you and it helps us continue to make the show better. And if you want more inspiration from our world-class guests and content to learn how to improve the quality of your life, then make sure to sign up for the Greatness Newsletter and get it delivered right to your inbox over at greatness.com newsletter. And if no one has told you today, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great. At Metro, get an iPhone 12 with 5G and a dual camera system for $99.99. Take amazing pictures and share them instantly. And don't put up with life's yada yada. Yada yada. Like photo bombers. Zoom, crop out, yada yada. And bye. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Get iPhone 12 with 5G with no activation fees and nada yada yada. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to Metro, bring your ID. This offer isn't available for customers currently at T-Mobile or that have been with Metro in the past 180 days.